Everyone is running a race. The only question is, which race are you running? Many have called the life of work and play a rat race, and especially those that live in the Northeast. If you, any, anybody, anybody, rec yeah, it's a rat race. You get on the highways and deal with the traffic and work and trying to get home to family and a little bit of downtime. And what you have in a rat race, all the rats are running around the maze trying to find something, trying to find the cheese, right? Many people today feel just like that, that they're part of a rat race and that they would do anything to get out of that rat race. Well, for those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, we're not a part of the rat race because we've been called out in to be part of a different race. And if you're listening this morning and you want out of that rat race, well, then you've turned, tuned in to the right place. Believers in Jesus Christ, whatever your specific calling or vocation, you are called to run a different race. It's the race of faith in Jesus Christ. We're not running for a material prize. We're not running for a, an emotional prize. We are running for the prize, and it's spiritual. It's eternal, and it's incorruptible. The prize of knowing and being like Jesus in his righteousness and knowing him and living with him forever and ever. It's a high calling. It's a great race that we've been called to. Now, calling the life of faith in God a walk, a run, or a race is not a new idea. It's an analogy used by many of those uh, in Scripture, the, uh, in, in the Holy Spirit, uh, pressed upon the authors of Scripture, and they use these analogies. And Paul is one that uses the analogy in calling the walk of the walk that we have in Christ a race and a, and a run. Paul, the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, talks of this supreme goal that he has in his life. And it is this, of knowing Christ, of knowing Christ. Early in chapter 3, he uses an accounting analogy to get his point across. He talks in terms of gains and losses. And now in this section of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning, his language turns from accounting metaphors of losses and gains to the athletic language of races and trophies. Paul had tremendous ambition in his life before he met Jesus Christ. He was very ambitious about what he was about. But then, of course, you know the story. In Acts 9, that Damascus Road experience, that's why we call it a Damascus Road experience, because it was the salvation of the Apostle Paul where he was knocked off of his horse by blinding light and spoken to by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and he was called to salvation. He was called to be a, a, the apostle bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. And so Paul, changing the ambition that he had before Christ to the ambition that he now has in Christ of knowing Christ, of seeking Christ, of running the race that had been set before him. So this is what we are called to do in our lives. 
that were called out of the race that we were in before Christ and that uh, ambition, and we're called to a new ambition. We're called to a new race, and that is running after Christ. That is running the race that is set before us. And this is not something that is a mundane race. I believe it was Stephen Curtis Chapman who's, who used the metaphor of the Christian life being a great adventure, and that it is. The Apostle Paul talks about the one goal of knowing Christ and going after it. And so today we're going to take a look at this in Philippians 3. I've got a couple points if you're taking notes this morning. The first one is this, take hold of the goal of knowing Jesus. Let's look at it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brothers, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus." We are encouraged by the Apostle Paul to take hold of the goal of knowing Jesus in our lives. And I don't believe that there's any higher goal that you can set in your life. There's no higher goal that you can have. The goal of going after, of living for, of going towards Christ. And, and we are encouraged to make that our goal. And so you have to make that your goal. You have to determine that that's going to be the goal of your life. I have to determine, right? No one can make that decision for me. I have to determine. I have to choose. I have to make that goal mine, the goal of knowing Christ and of going after him. Christian, you must make this goal yours as well. And in order to take hold of that goal, to make that your goal, you must press forward. Look at what Paul says here. He says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. I press on. In other words, he's saying, I press forward. Paul realized that he had not arrived. And so there was only one option open to him. He had to press on. There was no turning back. There was no going back to the old ambition. There's realizing where you are in your life and that you haven't gotten there yet. And then deciding, hey, I've got to press on. I've got to lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of for me. When you're on a trip, when you're out there on the road and you're trying to get to the destination, if you're not there yet, you're not there. And so you've got one option to keep going, right? I remember my grandma, we would take a long trip to go see my grandma. And when we got in the door, the first thing she would say to us is, well, did you get in? 
And my dad would say, nope, we're still out there on the road. <laughs> and it was a funny thing. But you know what? We're still on the road. We're still in the race. And we've got to press on. We've got to keep going. Paul says, I haven't reached the goal yet. I want to know him more. I want to press on to all that he has for me. I want to know him in every which way that I can know him and in every which way that he will reveal himself to me. And the problem is that many people are content with where they are on the road. They get to mile marker like 73 and they say, well, this looks like a good spot. Well, this isn't the destination. You've got to keep going. In ancient times, the, the country of Spain, there was a time when Spain had come to the po point where they led the world. Uh, and actually, if you study history, there's a little, uh, little nugget of history where what happened to the Spanish Armada when it was defeated, had that not happened, uh, world history could have played out much differently. But but before that, Spain was uh, there. There was the, 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 it, Spain had um, a national arrogance, and it was reflected on her coins, uh, with which were inscribed with this phrase "Ne plus ultra," which meant nothing further. In other words, to the ancients of the Mediterranean area, Spain was considered like the point where that, it, it ends. In fact, Paul actually had this view in terms of his, his job of taking the, goal, the, the gospel to the Gentiles. He kept talking about, I need to get to Spain. I need to get to Spain. Well, we know what happened in history. Some ships set sail and came to the new world and discovered that Spain wasn't the end-all, be-all, that there was more beyond. And so they have since changed their inscription to plus ultra, which means more beyond. And I think there are some Christians that have the inscription, nothing further, nothing beyond, and we need to be the type of Christians that have a different inscription. We need to have the inscription, more beyond, and I press on to all that, that, that there is beyond in knowing Christ and going forward in my relationship with God. And, and we've got to be those types of people, realizing that there's a prize for finishing the race. God, God has called us into this race and he's put us on the path that we're on and we've got to press on and realize that we're headed for the prize. We're running for the prize. If you finish the race, there is a prize. And look at the way that Paul says that. He presses on toward, uh, toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ. We often let things distract us, and, most of, and the, a lot of those things in people's lives can be things that are behind you. People let their past, people let things that have happened to them, they let those things become distractions. Maybe it was some bad thing that happened, and you haven't been able to let it go. And Paul says here, he says, I press on that I may lay hold of Christ for uh, that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. In, in verse 13, I do not consult, uh, count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. And so we have got to 
move on from the past. We remember the good times, but we move forward to what God has in store for us. And I believe that the Christian really has to have a perspective that the best is yet to come. The best days are ahead. And we know that. Even if it were to get troublesome in our lives, we know that the best is yet to come because there's a day coming that we're going to see Jesus and we're going to be like him and we're going to be we were going to reach that place of perfection. But until that time, I'm pressing forward. And I'm pressing forward with a great attitude of I want all that God has for me. I want to know Jesus in every way that I can. So we've got to not be distracted by the things in the past. And not distracted by the things in the present either. Some, there's a lot in the present that can uh, distract us. And I think that one of the things that can be a benefit of this time that we've all experienced with being at home or maybe working from home or whatever, I hope and pray that you have taken some time to kind of evaluate things and maybe evaluate some things in your life and realize what it is that's actually important in life. Amen? And I think this time is a great time for us to realize that there may be some things that we thought were super important, but God is calling to attend our attention the things that are really important, the relationships that we have with family, the relationships that we have, our, our, our marriage, our, our kids, our, our, our household, the extended family, and, and all those things. And then, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ himself and his word. Amen? Before we can really take hold of the goal, it's important to know that it is Christ who has first taken hold of us. Paul said, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Now, when Paul was saying that Christ had laid hold of him, he was speaking literally. Remember, I, I mentioned it. Jesus knocked Paul to the ground off of his horse, blinded him for three days. Jesus literally laid hold of him. And so, so I press forward to, to, to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of for me. And, and we've got to take hold of Christ, but we've got to realize that Christ wants to take hold of you. Now, for some... You understand this is, you understand and perhaps have had an experience like this. You, you remember what it was like to not serve Christ. You remember the days before you knew Christ, and you remember the day that Christ took hold of you. And, and you can relate to that. You were doing your thing, and Jesus showed up in your life, and he laid hold of you, and you came into the kingdom of God. And you have that that testimony. There was a man in our church in Orlando, and he shared with me how there was a time where he was running a $40,000 a month drug business. Meanwhile, he had decided to give Jesus a whirl. And that's the way he said it. I, get, I was going to give Jesus a whirl. I don't, know if you, you, I don't know that you give Jesus a whirl, right? I don't think it works like that. But that, this is what he said. And he told me, he said, Jesus showed up in my face one day, and he asked me, why have you not responded to my call? It was almost kind of like a, 
Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Why have you not responded to my call? And from that moment forward, he gave up the drug business and everything and, and served the Lord. So we've got to realize that it's Christ, Jesus, who's laying hold of us. And if he's laid hold of us, then we've got to lay hold of him as well. Amen? But for some, for some people, they continue to resist. They continue to resist. Jesus is, is there wanting to call you, wanting to lay hold of you, but there is that resistance. Even people who don't have that type of story, everyone must come to a place where God lays hold of you, even if you grew up in the church. You still have to come to a point where you decide that Christ has laid hold of you and you are laying hold of Christ. You have to decide that this faith is not going to be only the faith of my father or my grandfather, but it is going to be my faith. You have to lay hold of Christ. And maybe today's the day that you need to lay hold of Christ. Now, when God lays hold of you, then you lay hold of him. And you take hold of the one goal in your life to know him, to serve him, to be like him. Now, I believe that the only reason that someone will not take hold of the goal of wanting to know Christ and be conformed to his death, as Paul said earlier in this chapter, is idolatry. Idolatry. What is a basic definition of idolatry? The basic definition, well, it's, it's, it's having a God before God, right? That's why the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. And so idolatry is having something else in your life that's more important, that's more important. And the question I think every person has to ask is what else is it, what is it in your life that's more important than Jesus? What is it that's more important than God? And whatever that is, you could say, well, that's idolatry. That's idolatry. You have made something more valuable to you, more important, more worthy of your life. And I want to tell you, there's nothing else out there that's worthy of your life. There's nothing else out there that's worthy of you giving your life solely to that. But, but, but Jesus is worthy. Amen? Jesus is worthy. And, and I want to I encourage you to give your life to Jesus and lay down your gods. Lay down the gods. Amen? And then you begin to realize how great God is. I think once you make that decision, once you lay down your gods and you embrace Christ and you realize that he's the most important, I think that's when people, I think that's when the light bulbs really begin to come on. And you begin to see, you begin to understand, you begin to see how real God is. You see that there's nothing else. You see that there's nowhere else to go. You know, you can repeat as Peter did when, when Jesus asked the disciples. There was a time when Jesus was preaching. He had fed the 5,000, and they showed up the next day, and they wanted another free lunch. And Jesus said, no, 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 there's no more free lunch today. But, but what you need to do is you need to partake of me. And unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And the, and the crowd scattered. It was the opposite 
effect that the, you know, the, the preacher wants, right? You, you want the crowds to come. You want the altar call filled. This was the opposite of a filled altar call. This was a vacated field to the point where Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, are you guys leaving too? And Peter at that time, he says, where would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. When, you lay, when God has laid hold of you and you lay hold of Christ, you begin to realize how real he is, how lovely he is, how awesome he is, and there's nowhere else to go. Amen? And I hope you realize that this morning. Just think about it for a second. He's the creator of the world. He made the world, the sun, the moon, the stars. He made you. He knows how many hairs you have on your head, or if you don't have any hair on your head. Amen? And he loves you unconditionally, and he died on the cross for you. I can think of no better person than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we must press on to take hold of knowing Christ. And I would say, once you just get a taste of that, don't you want to know God more? Don't you want to know the God who's the creator of this world? Don't you want to know him more? Well, how you know him more is by spending time, by getting into his word, by being in the Bible studies, by being in the word daily. We've got to press on to take hold of knowing Christ. It must be our driving passion. We've got to have a passion for God. Amen? We've got to have a passion for God. I have a friend who lives in Hawaii, and when I call him, it's hard to reach him because he lives in Hawaii, and it's because of the time difference, and so every, I get his voicemail most of the time, and it says, this is Sean. I hope you're living with passion and having a rock and roll day, you know? And, uh, and I always love getting his voicemail because it li literally picks me up, you know? It's like I want to call Sean and just get his voicemail. And, um, and, and I hope you're living with passion, but passion for God. We've got to have a passion for God. Now, the word press on here in this text is actually a word, a, a word, a phrase that is translated in the King James, follow after. It literally means to run after, to run swiftly in order to catch a person or a thing, to press on figuratively of one who in a race runs swiftly to reach the goal. Paul says, I run after this goal of knowing Christ. I press on. I, I just do it right? Like kind of like a Nike thing. Just do it. Nothing is going to stand in my way. I'm going after it. So that's what we must do. We've got to press on. We've got to run after him. We've got to run toward the goal. Now, if you haven't made a decision to run after Christ, well, then you're still in the other race. <laughs> you're still running around in the maze, trying to figure out what life is all about. And I invite you, I invite you to give up on that race and enter the race of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if you are running after Christ, then you need to think like a runner. I'm not a runner in real life. There was a time that I tried to run, and I was doing really well until my... Um, Legs just started hurting so bad, I'm like, I, I, I can't do this. So my wife runs every day, and 
you know, more power to her. And, um, but anyways, in running, you have to think like a runner. When a runner is running, he's not thinking about the past. He's thinking about what's coming up. He's thinking about that next turn, that next bend. He's thinking about, hey, I'm just about to see if he knows the track or he knows the field, especially like in a cross-country field uh, track. He knows where what's coming up or maybe he doesn't and he's just trying to ascertain what it is. And we've got to have kind of that runner's thought you got to have that runner's thought. And the runner's thought for us is that we're running after Christ. We're running to know Christ. We're living our lives to know Christ every day. And we've got to have that runner's thought. A runner has a goal to get to the finish line. I'm, I'm running right now to get to, the, to, to finish the race, right? So I've got my eye on the prize. A runner in a race realizes he hasn't finished yet right? Paul said, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I, I have the goal. I'm in the race, but I still haven't completed the race. I'm still running. Again, a runner forgets what is behind him. When you are running in a race, you have to think about the race. You have to keep your concentration. A runner reaches out with everything to get to the finish, the goal. You don't hold back. You don't approach it casually. You reach out with everything you have. You give it everything you have. I, I feel there's too many Christians that have a casual approach to running the race. And we, we, you, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this morning to, to have that, that runner's thought. I'm pressing on. I'm going to run towards Christ. There's a video that keeps coming up on, um, you know, in my Facebook video feed, and it's a video of different people in various different races that thought they were so far out in front that they, they just began to coast. And they just kind of put their arms up. One's a cyclist, one's a runner, one's a speed skater. They just begin to coast and all this and don't realize that somebody is still pouring it on behind them. And every last one of those people in this video lost because they began to coast. And beginning to coast in your life is a dangerous, dangerous thing. That's why Paul wants to encourage us to press on, to press on. Reach out with everything that you have. The, the word actually means to reach out, to stretch out, to stretch oneself forward. It's almost like when I read that, I, I get the, I can see just the, the, you know, that where it's going to be a photo finish and you have the runners just pressing towards the tape, right? And, and because they want to win the race. And I think that's kind of the idea that, that Paul is encouraging us in as believers. Do you have that passion for God this morning? I want to encourage you. And then lastly this morning, press toward that goal. Let's pick it back up. In verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be 
of the same mind. Press toward that goal. If, if we're going to have this one goal, if we're going to have a passion to know God, we've got to press toward that goal. We press toward the goal. We have a supreme goal in our lives. Um, you know, I, I, I think I heard it once where, you know, someone was putting a list of, you know, the top priorities in their life, right? And they, were, and, they, and they were being real spiritual, and they put God at the top, and they said, well, God, you know, and then family, and, you know, and then job, and then all that. And, and, and they perfectly, maybe perfectly put the list together, and you think, oh, great. And I think the, 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 the idea here is that God is not on that list. He's on a list all by himself. All the others are a secondary list, right? And so that's kind of the idea. I press toward the goal. I realize the prize is knowing Christ and being like him, so I press toward him. Some people are always looking back. They can't get over what happened to them last year, five years ago, 20 years ago. Someone hurt you, someone bothered you, uh, someone fired you, someone hired you, someone, you know, whatever it was, the company misused me, they didn't treat me right, whatever it is. And, and whatever you've been through, yes, God has compassion. God wants to come and he wants to wrap you up in his arms and he wants to console and comfort. He's the God of all comfort. But he also wants to heal that, that past and help you to realize that you've got to press on and you've got to, some, you've got to put those things that are in the past so that you can press on Forget that which is behind you. And this same mind needs to be in all of us believers. Imagine, this is what Paul's saying here. Let this mind that he's talking about, let it be in all of our minds. And he says it's for the mature believer. It's for the mature believer. So if you're a mature believer, you've got this mind. You've got this mind that, that my life is about God. My life is about pursuing Christ. Everything else is secondary and everything else is made better because I've made that my number one goal. I've made that my passion, right? And so we have got to press toward that goal. Sometimes it's our own sin that hold, holds us down. Maybe it's the sins of the past. Maybe it's some struggle that you have in the present and you, you feel condemned and sin will bring you to a place of paralysis in this race. You know, the ultimate example of sin, I think, in the Old Testament, a perfect example of it is the character, the person of Samson, right? He was bound, right? They, they bound him, and then he thought he was going to just wake up and, and bust out of those ropes, uh, just like he always had, but didn't realize that his hair had been cut because he had given his secret to Delilah. And so sin binds you. And then they put him in the, in the mill where he had to grind out the, the meal, the, 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 the wheat. And so sin will grind you. And then they tore out his eyes and it blinds you. So it binds you, grinds you, and blinds you. And that can be a paralysis in your life 
But Jesus is a God of forgiveness. He's a person of forgiveness. He went to the cross at Calvary, shed his blood on that cross so that you could be forgiven. This is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And if you'll come to him, whatever it is in the past, whatever it is right now, and bring it to him, he has the love, the grace, the mercy to forgive you of all of your sins. If you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So do not let the sin of yesterday or even the sins of today hold you back from taking hold of that goal in your life. Amen? And so a runner focuses on the prize. I'll close with this. There's a lot more that I could say, but I'm going on and on here today. The, the goal is the prize. He says, look at that. Go back to the text. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What is this imagery that he's talking about? The goal of the athlete was to receive the call up to the winner's stand. The, the picture of this, the upward call, would be where you would be called up. If you've ever watched the Olympics, they have the, gold, they have the three levels of the stand, right? So you have the gold medal winner, the silver, and then the bronze. And the, 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 the person who competes is competing for the prize. They want to receive the upward call. You want to get to the medal. You want a medal, right? You get to the Olympics, you want a medal. You, you don't want to go to the Olympic. You, I mean, at least give me a bronze, right? <laughs> at least give me a bronze. I want to receive that call, the upward call, but I want to get up to that gold medal. I want to get up to that gold medal stand. And that's what Paul is actually alluding to here, that I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. And God has a prize for us. The prize is the winner's crown, right? The crown of life. We're going to receive the crown of life when we see him. There are so many things that God, there are so many parts of this prize. There are so many parts of this prize that we should never lose sight of all that God has promised the person who endures, who finishes the race, who completes the race. In fact, in the book of Revelation, Jesus writes to seven churches and he gives uh, seven promises to the person who endures, who completes the race. I just want to, I don't have time to go through all seven, but I want to highlight two. In Revelation 3, 5, he says, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot his name out from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before the angels. And then in Revelation 3, 21, he says, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. Well, that's about the top one. That's actually the seventh church. That's the, what he said to the church at Laodicea. And so the promise, you want to talk about an upward call? To him who overcomes, I will give you the right to come up to my throne and sit on the throne, the mercy seat with me. Amen? And so that is the upward call. There are so many promises. Don't ever lose sight of it, Christian. Paul wants you to see this. And he says this is for mature believers. And he says, if you don't see it yet, keep pressing, and God's going to reveal this to you. Maybe I'm not getting through. Maybe I'm not getting through, but the Holy Spirit's going to get through. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is getting through to you right now, whoever you are. Let's have this mind to press on towards the goal, the one goal 
of knowing Jesus Christ in our life, of finish, of running the race, of finishing the race, and hearing that word from God one day as he calls us up to the winner stand, the upward call, as he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. And that's what I want to hear, and I pray that that's what you want to hear. If you have not served Christ, if you have not obeyed Christ in his gospel, you still are in the other race and not the race of faith, you have that opportunity today, right now, to give your life to Christ, to lay hold of God and realize that God wants to lay hold of you and live for him, live for him. Give him your life, confess your sins, believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, confess him as Lord, and you'll be saved. And you'll be taken onto a new track, a new race, a race, a run, to run the run of faith all of your days. Let's live our lives, Christians, with passion for Jesus.